Welcome to the Retirement Plan Playbook. I'm Matthew Thiel, joined as always by Brent Pasqua. Brent, how are you doing today? Outstanding, Matthew. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. No complaints at all. Also joined as always by Joshua Winterswijk, Certified Financial Planner. Josh, what's going on today? Happy to be back. Back from my trip, feeling refreshed, ready to get this podcast started. Yeah, you went on a honeymoon, right? I did, yeah. We took we had a, a delayed honeymoon, so we got married back in June, but went to Europe for the first time with my new wife, and we just had a great time. It was amazing. Now, most people probably won't get this reference, but uh, did you visit the uh, Theater of Dreams? I did, yes. I got to see uh, my favorite team in the world, Manchester United, play uh, Arsenal at their stadium or at home, at Theater of Dreams, Old Trafford. Uh, and it was a dream come true. I'm glad I got to experience it with my wife and a little nervous for her, uh, but she had a great time. That's really neat. It was a lot of fun. So where did you go? We went to uh, London, uh, Manchester, Amsterdam, and Barcelona, Spain. So we got a, a taste of Europe. Every place is a little different. And then uh, ended with Barcelona, which was nice because they had the warmest weather. So we even got to squeeze in a beach day in Barcelona. Sounds like a well-deserved honeymoon trip. Yeah, it was just awesome. Thank you guys for covering me. I appreciate it while I was gone. But uh, it was just amazing. We, we loved it. Loved Europe uh, and want to go back. So, Matthew, what's on uh, deck today? Today's show, we have a, a, a really special one for the listeners. Uh, are you guys familiar with uh, HGTV and kind of those home remodeling shows? Yeah, I watch them. Yeah, what's your favorite one, Josh? Fixer Upper. Oh, uh, yeah. So, this is what today's podcast is going to be like. It is going to be a do-it-yourself retirement plan. So, we are going to walk you, the listeners, through how to create your own retirement plan. And the, the idea is you can try this on your own and you might not have to hire professionals like us or it might make you want to hire a professional. But either way, we're excited to get going. So, uh, Brent, what's step one? The first step in creating your own retirement plan would be to write out your goals either by yourself or if you have a spouse or a partner with your partner to determine what you actually want to do when you retire. I mean, a lot of us have different goals and passions and we still want to live a purposeful life beyond retirement. So we, we there's things that we want to do. Some of those things that you might want to do is determine where you want to live, places you want to travel, things that you want to do. Maybe you want to play golf. Maybe you want to take some classes or volunteer. But having a really good outline about why you want to retire and what you want to do when you retire is a, an important first step. Yeah, I find that most people, their main goal is they want to retire, right? So that, that's the first one. Yeah. And then usually they have kind of like sub goals after that. I want to retire because I want to travel or I want to retire because I want to spend time with my grandchildren. I want to retire because I'm sick of working and I want to play golf. That's the one that, that came to my mind. I'm just sick of working. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. Sick of the nine to five grind, I guess. Yeah, and I think that the important part with your goals are and where it can really help you determine if you say, okay, well, if I work an extra year or two and I can accomplish more of my goals, is it worth me sticking out those last year or two? I mean, if you don't have a lot of goals and passions when you retire, then maybe you can actually retire early. Putting those on paper, getting an idea of what it's going to cost, important step. Yeah, I would say if you don't have any goals, maybe you shouldn't retire. Right. Right? Like a little devil's advocate there because then you're just going to sit around and watch TV all day. Have more time to think about it. That's true too. And I think that it's also important to, you know, really detail 
timelines, time horizons of the goals, and then also set dollar amounts to the goals too, whether if it's, you know, a million dollars in my 401k or, you know, putting specific details to those goals, I think is also important. Yeah, there's, I think there's many people out there that have to get up so early and they've been doing it for so long. They're just tired of being married to the clock that they just don't want to have to get up early anymore too. Yeah, it's especially miserable at this time of year when the sun's not really coming up until 7 a.m. I mean, you're getting up at 5 a.m. It's pitch black outside. Right. Yeah. Brian, what is an acceptable number of goals for a person to have? Like, what do you typically see when you're working with pre-retirees? Like the number of goals? Yeah. What's the typical? Probably at least three or four is a good, you know, basic foundation. Starts to outline the passions and then they kind of spider web from there. Perfect. Anyone else have anything to add? No. Yeah. Joshua, after a pre-retiree has discovered their goals, uh, what's the next step? The next step um, is going to be creating a balance sheet. So what that means is taking a look at your assets and your liabilities and really writing them down. So creating a template that you can follow ongoing to writing down both assets and liabilities and to explain what assets are. Those include your home, your brokerage accounts, bank accounts, retirement accounts, rental properties. So anything that has an actual value um, that would be considered an asset would be written down on that that balance sheet. And then also after you write down all of those assets is writing down all of your liabilities. So mortgage, student loans, auto loans, credit cards, home equity lines of credit, anything that's a, a debt And what we'll want to do is then calculate what your net worth is. That's just really why we're using this tool is to calculate what the actual net worth is, which is your assets minus your liabilities. We'll come up with that number. Um, And you can use, you know, a couple different ways to do it. Mint.com is one common software that you can use that's free online. You can use just an Excel spreadsheet to track your balance sheet, or you can just write it down on a piece of paper. Yeah, absolutely. That's the hipster way, right? Yeah. Kind of yeah, the old yeah. school. Get it by a notebook, nice note, leather bound notebook and, and write it down in your hipster notebook. Yeah, uh, that's really cool. Um, the way I like to think about when I'm working with clients is assets are what you own. So anything you own is an asset. And then a liability is anyone who you owe money to. Yeah, great way to put it. So good top level summary. And what we're trying to do here by creating a balance sheet is for you to get a picture of what you actually have. Because most people don't know, right? No. Brent, anything? No, I mean, you don't know. I mean, there's statements that come in the mail. Everything's always changing to finally get everything in one spot and get in a spreadsheet. I think there's a lot of people that do spreadsheets. Don't get me wrong. But there's a lot of people that don't. I think it's just a majority of, of people don't. Was what we see. Yep. It's just, it takes a lot of time to keep everything organized. Correct. With all the other things that you have going on with your life, you know, once a month, are you really spending the time of opening up all of your statements and writing them, you know, the account balances down to come up with your balance sheet? It's just a task that doesn't interest a lot of people to do every month. Yeah. When I get my mail and I get the statement, I'm not, you know, the first thing I'm not thinking about is how excited I am to go punch that into my Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> right, right. Right. Especially after a long day of work. Yep. All right. Let's move on to step two. I'll, I'll go ahead and handle step two. And step two is going to be really where we start to get into the meat and potatoes of your retirement plan. Um, We're going to take a look at your current income. So what you're currently making, and then you're going to want to project out your retirement income. And another way to put this is we're going to be starting to create your cash flow statement here. And this is going to be a two-step process. So on the current income side, um, you're going to want to write down or get essentially your statements together for all of your income sources. So your W-2 wages, 
If you're a 1099 employee, you're going to want to get all those 1099 slips. Uh, if you have rental incomes, you're going to want to have an idea how much each rental brings in. There's other sources as well. If you're a business owner, you're going to have a, a K-1 distribution. You're going to want to pay attention to how much income you're getting from the business. And then also, if you're a, an investor and you have a rather sizable brokerage account or savings account, you're going to want to know how much interest and dividends are coming in every month. Another step you could do is to kind of get this a little quicker is to learn how to read your own tax return. Um, but that could be a little difficult if you don't have proper training. But what you're going to want to look for is what your current adjusted gross income is. And one thing I'll point out here, and this is a mistake a lot of people make, is when they start adding up their current income, they don't put into take into consideration the amount of money they're putting into their retirement accounts. Yeah, that's important as well. So that money's coming out before taxes. So if you're saving, you know, 20000 a year into your 401k, which most pre-retirees should be, then that's 20000 a year coming off your income. So if you're making a, 150, you're really only making 130. And I, I see that as a massive uh, mistake a lot of people make. After you know what's coming in, one popular rule of thumb is you want to replace about 90% to 80% of your current working income. And that takes into account the retirement account contributions. So let's say you're making 200000 That means you probably want to at least have retirement income of somewhere between one hundred and sixty to 180000 per year. Does that sound about right, Joshua? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And I think just kind of one tip if we're giving this DIY segment is, you know, in your next tax appointment, we know tax season's coming up in just a few months. Ask your tax preparer to really explain what, how your income's broken down. And so you can see it on the tax return and then that way you, you can always kind of go back every year and take a look at your income and what you made and understand it a little better. Yeah, then that's a great tip. So after you get kind of what your current working income is and an idea of what we might think you need in retirement. We're not quite sure yet though, but we have one one metric we could use, right? The 90%, 80% replacement mm -hmm. rule. We need to see what you're actually going to be getting in, bringing in in retirement. Are you going to be working part-time? If so, how much money are you going to make? What's your social security income going to be? If you own a business, will you still own that business in retirement and will it be giving you income? What about trust income? Do you have trust set up? If you do, are those trusts going to be distributing out income to you? And then the same thing with the dividend interest. And then is your employer offering you a pension? If so, how much is it going to be? You're going to want to get those estimates. Brent, can you talk a little bit about, I kind of brushed over, but Social Security? Yeah, I think it's important to really get a good idea of what you're going to receive from Social Security since it is part of that foundational income that you'll have in retirement. I mean, I think the first thing that you're trying to re determine once you start to get closer to retirement is what's my fixed base going to be, whether it's from Social Security or whether it's from your pension. And the first place to get a good idea is from Social Security. As we talked about in the first podcast on Social Security, you can collect multiple different times from 62 to 70, and it's actually 96 different times that would give you a different benefit amount to determine when you're going to collect your social security is going to be helpful in determining what your income is going to be. Yeah. And social security, they give you three ages, right? Your, yep. your what, what benefit numbers are they again? They'll give you 62, your full retirement age, and then 70, you know, for the most part, full retirement age right now is 66 to 67, depending on what year you were born, but they'll give you those amounts and that's it. They're not going to give you everything in between. 
most people just don't generally retire on those dates. Right, right. And Josh, for the people listening who have never, ever looked at their social security statement, where's a good way they could find it? You can go to ssa.gov and you'll be able to download your social security statement. Yeah, create an account and uh, make sure your social security number hasn't been stolen. That's a good way to check, right? Yeah, and your earnings are being reported. That's true too. <laughs> great great tip. Yep. Anything left on social security income? I think the, the last thing to make sure to factor in, if you're looking at the benefit amount that you're going to receive that you are factoring in, that most likely you're going to be paying for Medicare out of your social security. So that's a deduction. And also, you know, most likely in most instances, you'll be paying some taxes on your social security. So you have to deduct that off. So even though you see that base amount there on your social security, it's probably not going to be what you're bringing in. Right. So you're saying if my uh, base projected amount is 2500 it, it might be after taxes and deductions closer to 2000 Yep. I think this is just a really important step to the, the retirement plan. So just you know taking your time and really, really researching all of these aspects of this step is really important to the success. And I think it'll help you also make decisions, right? About social security, pension decisions when you're planning for retirement. Sounds like a new column on that spreadsheet. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely is a column or or a tab if you're an Excel ninja. Uh, Brent, how how should people approach their pensions? If you do have a pension from an old employer, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So if you do have a pension from an old employer, there's a lot there also. Very similar to Social Security, you're going to want to start to meet with your benefits department to figure out and have calculations on different years and ages that you can retire and the different benefits amounts that that you'll be able to collect from it. Then are you going to include your spouse in collecting those benefits? So if you pass away, that your spouse is going to receive some of that benefit how much they generally have anywhere from five to 10, maybe sometimes 15 different options on how you can collect that pension. But it's important to do that years and years and years before you retire to give you a really good foundational idea of what you're going to have once you retire. Right. In the whole spousal collection, that's a good way to see if one spouse loves the other spouse, right? Yeah. I mean, sometimes it could be an (laughs) indicator, I guess. (laughs) Uh, Josh, anything left to add on uh, analyzing income? No, that's no, good. Brent? I'm good. All right, let's move on to step three. Josh, what are we going to be talking about right now? Reviewing your, your current expenses. So as much as we just talked about and spent a lot of time about projecting and, and laying out your income, what it is now and what it's going to be in retirement, it's going to be the same way for all of your expenses. So understanding your current living expenses, both discretionary spending and non-discretionary spending. And Brent, I kind of wanted to ask you, you know, with laying out both discretionary spending, non-discretionary spending and looking at expenses, a lot of times we think of creating a budget. Like this is what that means. Right. You talk a little bit about creating a budget. Yeah, I think it just gives you a good idea of what you have in non-discretionary spending, things like your mortgage, your car payments, things that you're, you have to make every single month, getting that into a column, understanding what those fixed expenses are. And then having your your discretionary spending are things that you make choices on every month, things that you don't have to actually buy. And then you could start to determine your savings. There's different ways to do your budgeting. You could do a spreadsheet or you can use some of the outstanding free software that's out there. Like Mint.com and Mint, Quicken, YNAB. There's a lot of them out there today. YNAB being an acronym for you need a budget. So if you Google you need a budget, that's YNAB. And I think uh, to explain discretionary and non-discretionary, your needs and your wants. Exactly. 
So really laying out what you need to live off of and then what you're spending on what you want. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Great points. Um, have either of you ever met with a client who has been 100% dialed in on what they spend per month? Yes. Yeah. They. Some people have really elaborate spreadsheets on every single month spending. I personally have never found, I, I have seen people who yeah, do track a budget and they, they do a really good job. But usually what I find is they're off in one way or another. Of course. Yeah, I agree. That's the same thing that I've experienced. It's hard to keep it accurate if you're doing it yourself. So my favorite way with clients to do this, if budgeting really isn't your uh, forte, is to take a look at your paycheck and see what your net check is. So let's say it's $10,000 a month, so 5000 every two weeks. Fair pay. How much money is going into savings per month? If the answer is zero, well, then you're spending 10000 a month. If the answer is, well, we put $1,000 a month in saving, then you're spending 9000 I think that's a really unique way to back into what you are actually spending. Yeah, and I, Brent actually was the one who mentioned this strategy to finding out how much people are actually saving too, is you know, how much was in your savings account last year? How much is in it today? Right. I mean, at that point, you get to determine, you know, if it was 20000 last year and this year it's only ten, and you actually might have a cash flow negative situation that you spent more money this year than you actually made. Right. right? Yeah. My favorite's always when, when they tell me, oh, I'm saving $1,000 a month. And then you ask them, you know, what was your savings account at the beginning of the year and what it is now? And it's the same. Well, right. I mean, you were, where did that thousand dollars go every month? You're finding another place to spend that thousand dollars. And I think a lot of times what happens is, is they save it. And then a lot of times you'll hear, well, we took a big trip or, you know, we bought a new car or whatever it was and and it was spent, but in, you know, they thought they were saving it, but they were just saving it to spend it later on in the year. Yep. They remodeled something in their house. Right. So I think the goal for our listeners here is for them to get an understanding of how much money do you need? in retirement to save your lifestyle and accomplish your goals. Right. That's why we're doing this step right here. We're trying to figure out what you need. Mm-hmm. Brent, what's a, a good tip for kind of people who are planning on retiring early? Um, early meaning before the age of 65. As far as what? What's something they need to watch out for on the medical expense side, right? Early retiree before 65. Yeah. So if you're going to retire early, one of the misunderstandings that a lot of people have, I think they either think that medical insurance is going to be way too expensive or it's going to be way cheaper than what they thought. Medical is a big issue because if you are retiring anywhere from 60 to 65 and you're not having, and you don't have employment, you don't have medical benefits through your employer, you could be at risk then to pay for it on your own. And when you do that, because you're in that highest risk range, because you're not on Medicare yet, it's going to be the most expensive. But it doesn't always have to be based on that. It doesn't always have to be the most expensive because it is based on your income if you go on things like Cover California. And you can start to do the research and spend the time if you're thinking about retiring to find out exactly what you're going to be paying in medical expenses. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think that's something a lot of early retirees kind of forget about is the medical expense. And that usually what I've found is kind of one of the larger expenses for early retirees. Yeah. And we've seen it as high as, you know, a thousand dollars a month, even just for one spouse Mm -hmm. to be on Medicare from, you know, 62 to 65. That's a lot of money to be going out. 
of the financial plan just for medical expense because we didn't plan for it or didn't have an idea of what that expense was going to be. Yeah, sometimes the strategy that we work with our clients is just trying to minimize the income for those few years. And it could come back to Social Security pensions and things like that because your medical cost per month is a lot cheaper when your income is lower. As soon as your income starts going up, your monthly premiums are going to start shooting up. You can control income, control costs there. Big planning tool. Great, great point. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one thing that's just really useful to kind of summarize this step is embracing software. We, we use it here, um, but for clients to link up bank accounts to you know expense tracking software, just a really easy way to get an idea of what you're spending each month. Absolutely. And I hope if you, um, a lot of people aren't comfortable with software, but let's assume hopefully that if you're listening to our podcast that you are very comfortable with software. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're downloading the podcast, you're on some sort of device or computer that, you know, you're going to be uh, okay with linking up your bank accounts and stuff like that. But more than happy to answer any questions on software too, (laughs) if you need some help along the DIY process. Matt, I think ready for step four. Do you have anything to add on step three? No, I'm definitely ready for step four. Let's move on. Awesome. So uh, I'll have you take this one, but uh, talking about retirement accounts. So if we're creating a DIY retirement plan, um, I imagine there's some sort of retirement account that we got to be mindful of. So will you talk about that for us? Yeah. In step four, we're going to really take a look at those retirement accounts. And what we're setting up here for is we know how much money's come in, right? We did that in step uh, two, two, I believe. Yep. We know how much money you need now. We did that in step three. Yep. Do you have an income gap? Do you need to ha- come up with money from somewhere? The majority of Americans who are retiring do have an income gap. So what that means is your expenses are higher than your fixed retirement income. So like your social security and your pension isn't meeting your expense need. Absolutely. So then we have to look at the retirement accounts as a way to supplement that income gap. So when we're talking about retirement accounts, we're talking about your IRA, a Roth IRA, a TSP, a 403B, and any deferred comp plan you have. Am I missing any sort of retirement account? I guess SEP IRAs. 457. I mean, the list can go on. There's there's a lot of them out there. If, If you have a retirement account, this is what we're talking about right now. And the goal here when you retire, right, is you've been saving this pot of money forever and it's grown and it's grown and it's grown or hopefully it's grown. And we need to turn that large balance into income. And that's a big problem for a lot of retirees because they think of it as, oh, I have, you know, a million in my IRA and my wife has a million in her IRA. We've saved two million. That's great. We're millionaires. Well, now we got to turn that two million into income. Right. And... There's a couple things to kind of pay attention to. One, when you retire, what is your asset allocation going to be? So what's the, your mix of stocks and bonds? Now, stocks, right, they're, they're more high risk, right, Josh? Yeah. And bonds, they're, they're more safe. And typically, most retirees are going to be recommended a 60-40 portfolio. So that would mean 60% would go into stocks, 40% into bonds. That would probably be the most aggressive recommendation for someone who is looking to turn their retirement account into income. Yeah, it's pretty standard, right? I mean, you look on any investment research, pretty standard allocation. I think a lot of people call it balanced. Yep. A, a balanced portfolio, essentially. Um, you could go a step further and hack off 20% of stock and you'd end up in a 40-60. So 40% stock, 60% bonds. And then the most conservative would be something like 20% stock, 80% bonds. 
if you are really conservative and you're, you know, really don't want to have any ups and downs in your retirement, you could uh, purchase like a 30-year bond and just live off the interest. Though, even though I've always made that kind of like slight joke to some clients who are conservative, I've never actually seen someone do it. Right, right. So, maybe it's uh, better in theory. Mm-hmm. But anyways, what we're doing here is we are trying to get your portfolio set up so you could withdraw money from it. And the goal is to fill that income gap. So how much do you need? Do you need 20,000 a year, 30,000 a year, 40,000 a year? We now know that. So let's say you need 40,000 a year. That's a good number. There's been research done that shows that to get 40,000 a year, you would need to withdraw 4% of your portfolio for it to not run out of money in retirement. Therefore, the rule of thumb, right? The 4% rule. Yep, the 4% withdrawal rule. Therefore, you would need a retirement account with a balance of $1 million. So there you go, talking about turning that lump sum or that pot of money into income. We're doing it there. Right, exactly. And for those of you who are really good at math, where that, where that rule actually comes from is it's pretty neat. So let's assume you earn no interest on your retirement account all through retirement. Let's assume you're you're retired for 25 years, which most people actually might even be retired for 30 years or more. You've got uh, numbers going on, up, right? Yeah, based on retirement age and life expectancy. Four times 25 is 100. It's so, good math. Yeah, great math. So that's kind of <laughs> how, how the rule originated from. On the withdrawal side, you could get a lot more complex. This is kind of outside of the discussion for today's show, but you could uh, research guardrails, spending ratchets. Uh, you could research how to inflation adjust your withdrawals. You could take more in good years and less in bad years. There's a lot of different fun concepts that you could do on the withdrawal side and that financial planners help their clients with. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, you know, you going in depth on, on the retirement accounts, it's like a red flag saying, hey, pay attention to me because there's this big transition coming when I retire, which is this pot of money I need to turn into income. And there's a lot of preparation that it's going to take to get that pot of money ready for that income stream. Um, and a lot of decisions to be made on it. I think it's just really important. And now is your notification to start looking into those retirement accounts and making sure they're properly prepared for your retirement. Right. And, and absolutely. And I think I don't, we, I don't think we want to scare people off either. Um, no, so no. if, if yeah, you, good point. if you look and, and you have an income gap and say it's 40,000 a year, we'll stick with that number, but you have 250,000 saved, obviously the math doesn't work. Yeah. So you have to cut elsewhere. You're going to have to cut those living expenses. You're going to have to live more within your means because, yeah, your account just will not cover a 40% withdrawal. Yeah, it's just not creating enough income. Right, exactly. Um, Anything to add before we move on? What's the next step? The next step is uh, protection. So now we've created kind of your base level retirement plan and we want to talk about the things you could do in retirement to protect yourself. I think the number one protection kind of concept is is life insurance, Josh. When would you need that in retirement? I think I want to take that a little bit of a different way with protection, insurance in general, of making sure that everything is protected. So, you know, at this point, if you're entering into retirement, you probably have your or hopefully have your highest net worth and we want to protect that net worth. And so we want to protect not only your assets, your income, your life, which life insurance comes into play in that. So I think also, you know, here's another item to add to that, you know, retirement plan checklist is to making sure that you do have proper insurance to protecting all of your assets, your net worth, um, and getting all of them reviewed. And life insurance is one of those, you know, making sure that, 
you know, if something happens to one spouse or the other in retirement, that the other spouse isn't, you know, forced to make a lifestyle change, that they can maintain their same lifestyle throughout the rest of their retirement, even if one spouse dies earlier than expected. So now it's just a, a good time to get that reviewed. And I think it's a really important piece. If you're going to take the time to build wealth, we should also be taking the time to protect it. Yeah, absolutely. And one reason why we could use life insurance is going all the way back to the income side. You know, you, maybe you do select a pension on one spouse's life only. Well, then that spouse dies, that pension goes away. So is there a life insurance policy in place to supplement? Right. Yep. And that's, I think that's a common strategy, Brent. I know that you've helped clients with that strategy too, where they might have already selected the pension or they just feel really strongly about selecting one life or another or one life only on the pension election um, and help them set up life insurance. Anything to add on, on that? Yeah. It just, if you select a pension on one person and they pass away early on, you know, a day after they collected their first check, it's going to create a problem to the plan that there's not going to be as much income for the surviving spouse. So there's ways to protect it and you may want to take those into consideration. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, I think also with protection, the topic of living trusts come up a lot. Brent, do you want to kind of talk about living trust and why it's important? Yeah, living trust is essentially a document that's able to pass on your assets from yourself to your beneficiaries by avoiding probate. It's an important tool to avoid probate to make sure that everything that you've saved and worked hard for is going to go to the people that you want to give it to and not who the state thinks they should give it to. Right. Sounds like a pretty important piece to this retirement plan. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Any other comments on protection? No. No. Good. All right. Any any parting thoughts for the listeners today on creating their own retirement plan? Yeah, I think, I mean, based on what the CFP board says, there's really four steps in doing a proper financial plan, right? There's gathering facts, which is your discovery. There's the strategizing and looking at all the different options. Some of those strategies we're talked about today, different things that you can do with retirement plans, then implementing it and then monitoring it after. But I think the key factor to all of this is accountability. And when you're doing it yourself, it could be somewhat complicated to do all of it yourself and keep things up to date. I mean, just think about the cash flow report or your net worth sheet. You, you put all this stuff in Excel and then a day later, your values change and are you going back in there and updating your net worth sheet? I mean, there's just so many factors here that constantly go into keeping a proper financial plan up to date. Nowadays, it's so awesome with technology and where technology is at. All of these decisions that you make can be done through software. And that's when we spend all this time building clients financial plan and then being able to take their different decisions and their different goals and throwing them into the plan and see what the outcome looks like for them. It gives them peace of mind knowing that their decisions and these goals that they have can have real numbers standing behind that. You know, it is hard to do it yourself. That's why we always talk about having a planner because not every individual is going to know every different strategy you could use. They're not going to know every different way to implement things. And so working with a planner makes it so much more streamlined, smoother, and most of the public doesn't have access to the the technology that we have. Yeah, absolutely. It's the whole, well, I'm serious about getting in shape. Well, if you're serious about getting in shape, sign up for a gym pass probably isn't going to do it. What's going to do it is hiring a personal trainer. And then even, you know, the next level step on top of that would be hiring a nutritionist. Right. Yeah. If you're really serious about it, you've got to take all the steps and do all the proper things. Yeah, exactly. And hire expert help and having those people building your own team. 
to help you achieve those goals. Same like with personal fitness or finance. Yeah. yeah I mean, one of my recommend last week was classes, taking classes that are run by an instructor. I mean, it just pushes you to do harder. Yeah, absolutely. And the people in there create the competition. Right. And there's people I think that are out there that, you know, the DIY strategy works for them. Right. But I think that to really be efficient and to utilize all of those different strategies like Brent just talked about out there, having someone that's an expert on your team is going to just make that DIY plan even better. Yeah, absolutely. Um, All right. Well, speaking of recommends, uh, Joshua, what do you have to recommend today? Oh, recommend section. My favorite. Uh, I'm going to recommend an Instapot. I don't know which one of you guys have actually mentioned it to me, but I finally got one and I've had it, I don't think about a year now and I use it all the time. And I got the one that has like a a saute feature and the slow cooker and the pressure cooker. And I love it. Like I can make a whole meal and not even have to turn on the oven or toaster oven or anything like that. I can make a whole meal in that thing. And it's just so fast, like just chicken done 20 minutes. Yeah, they're, they're great. You can essentially throw your crock pot away. Yeah, absolutely. I haven't used my crock pot since I got my Instapot. Interesting. Yeah. Have, do you still, uh, you have an Instapot too, right? Yeah. I just started using it just as you guys have talked about it more. And it is definitely when you don't have a ton of time to cook and you're not wanting to spend a ton of time in the kitchen, that could speed things up really good. It's nice. I, I did chicken soup. In like 25 minutes. Yeah. Done. And, and raw, that's from raw. To- raw chicken. Done. Just amazing. <laughs> yeah, they're great. Uh, Brent, what do you have to recommend? I have Nest, which is the doorbell and camera system um, that you can put on your house. Nowadays, with people being having so many packages delivered to your front door, you should probably have a camera on your doorbell system to know who's coming to your door. When things are being delivered, if somebody at your front door that shouldn't be there, put a camera on your back door if you wanted to, to just make sure you can have an eye on your house. And also you can control your air conditioning system. If you put the thermostats inside of your house, which is neat because if you forget, forget to shut off the air one day, you don't want your air conditioner running all day, especially not here in California. So that adds up very quickly and you can control, turn off, turn on your air at any point, just through the app. Everything is done through the app. I found it to be a very neat feature and things to have just to make life easier. Yeah, that's pretty cool, Um, especially living out here in the desert, right, in Rancho Cucamonga. In the summer, it gets really hot, or even this time of year in the fall, it's still pretty hot. And if you could set your AC so you come home, your house is cool. That's a nice feature. Absolutely. Yeah, I I got the, the doorbell. Love it. Yes. I just love the notifications, love that I can see, you know, who's knocking on my door, who's coming up to my door. Um, really like it too. Haven't got the thermostat yet, but I think that's a, maybe that'll be on my Christmas list. Yeah, it's neat. Very neat. I have no experience with either and I don't plan on getting either, but that's just because I don't own a home. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. It might be in your future sooner than later. All right. So my recommend for today is, um, actually it's more of a broad recommend than, than the two of you, but, uh, Take a look at Lululemon, and this is especially for males. I mean, I know Lululemon gets the vibe as being like a yoga or workout gear, but they have great workwear, kind of casual dress workwear I wear to the office sometimes. They have great kind of tech pants and collared shirts that you could wear that are much more comfortable than anything you'd find kind of at Macy's or uh, JCPenney. So definitely check out Lululemon. I would say it's worth the price and, and, and great quality. I know, Brent, you're a big fan. 
Yeah, I mean, you can use it for golf wear. You could use it for workout wear. You have casual wear. I mean, it's great quality clothes. You spend a few extra dollars that last you that much longer. We were just talking about Lululemon at lunch, what, Friday? Last Friday? And yeah. one thing that you said, though, they even tailor for you, right? Like, if you need to get it hemmed. Yep. They'll, they have, if they don't have a tailor at that store, then they'll size it up and then send it out. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I think I'm going to get my dad some Lululemon clothes for Christmas because he needs to step his clothes game up. Well, so. hopefully he's not listening to the podcast, Matthew. I don't think he listens. <laughs> With all of our downloads, I think he probably does. I doubt it. But if he does, and he knows what he's getting just, for Christmas. Just tell your mom to make sure he doesn't listen to this one. Delete it off his phone. Uh, I doubt he listens. Matt, Matt, Matt's dad's a doctor, so he's a busy guy. That's that's why he's saying that. All right. Uh, anything left for today's show, boys? No. No, I think we're good. Yeah, good. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed today's show, and hopefully uh, you got some good tips on creating your own retirement plan. As always, if you'd like to read the show notes, visit retirementplanplaybook.com. And we'll have all the show notes listed out. You can read the transcript of the show. And if you have any questions, drop us an email and we'll be happy to do a mailbag episode one time. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. RPA Wealth Management is a state-registered investment advisor located in Rancho Cucamonga, California. Registration does not imply a certain level of skill or training. RPA Wealth Management may only transact business in those states and jurisdictions in which it is registered or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. A copy of RPA Wealth Management's current disclosure statement, Form ADV Part 1, containing RPA Wealth Management's business operations, services, and fees is available by accessing the SEC's Investment Advisor Public Disclosure website. RPA Wealth Management will provide Form ADV Part 2A from Brochure and 2B Brochure Supplement to interested parties upon request. Information provided on this podcast should not be construed as a solicitation or offer or recommendation to acquire or dispose of any investment or engage in any other transaction. RPA Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personal investment advice or financial planning advice through its podcast. RPA Wealth Management podcasts are intended for information and educational purposes only.